Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-Centered Leader in Confessional Broadcasting, Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. Welcome to Concord Matters here on KFUO Radio, the messenger of the good news. Uh, I am your host this week, Pastor Joshua Shear, Senior Pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, coming to you live but remotely uh, from the high plains uh, of the Wyoming district. And uh, glad to be back on air. It's been a couple months. I had different parish matters that took me away, but uh, now we're back and uh, back just in time, actually, to finish up the Article 4 or 5, whatever way you want to number, number it, of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. So I think we're still getting our two pastors on the line yet as we speak, but I would bring it out forward to you that you know we're, we're using the Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord, which uses a numbering system which might be different from other ones. So in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, that is the defense of the Augsburg Confession, it's in response to the Roman Catholic Confutation uh, that was their response to the Augsburg Confession. And it's a section on justification, which then also gets broken down into a section on uh, love and the fulfilling of the law that would be tied together as the fruit of justification. So we've been covering this for months and months, and we have just now started to come to the end. And in fact, last week, uh, uh, the host, Pastor Charlie Hendrickson, made, made kind of a good chuckle about you know how, how they've treated it briefly. And, and yet they've spent, you know, 60-some pages working on it. Well, this is, this is true, but this is, of course, the, the center and heart of our Christian faith, that, that sinners are reckoned to God as righteous when they believe in Jesus Christ and trust him for the forgiveness of their sins. And so there's, there's no excuse for, you know, it's not brief, but it's also brief, because this is, this is what involves everything of our faith. And so they've spent a lot of time discussing it, debating the points of it, and so forth. And so today, I believe, uh, if things go according to plan, we will be wrapping up this section and move on, of course, next week to the church, as far as how the Apology of the Augsburg Confession deals with that then. So I think I have my guests on board, hopefully. Uh, first one I want to mention is Pastor Mike Grevy, who's been on here before. He's pastor of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Golden, Illinois. Mike, are you with me today? I am here, Pastor Shear. Good to be with you. All right. Good to have you on again. Also, I have Pastor Andrew Price, Pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Gutenberg, Iowa, and St. Paul Lutheran Church in McGregor, Iowa. Uh, Andrew, are you there today? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome. You're both on. Excellent. So again, we are in the Book of Concord, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, uh, Article 5, if you want to call it that, or Article 4. But we are using... Uh, the new version, so we'll say Article 5, and we'll use paragraph 272 is where they left off. So we'll pick up right there. 
I'll be reading paragraphs 272 through 274, and then we'll have some good discussion on those topics. Scripture, furthermore, has predicted that the righteousness of faith would be clouded over by human traditions and the teachings of works in this way. Paul often complains about this. There were, even during his time, those who, instead of the righteousness of faith, taught that people were reconciled to God and justified by their own works and own acts of worship, and not through faith for Christ's sake. People judge by nature that God should be appeased by works. Nor does reason see a righteousness other than the righteousness of the law, understood in a civil sense. So there have always been some who have taught this earthly righteousness alone, to the exclusion of the righteousness of faith. Such teachers will always exist. The same thing happened among the people of Israel. The majority of the people thought that they had merited the forgiveness of sins by their works. Therefore they piled up sacrifices and acts of worship. On the contrary, the prophets, in condemnation of this opinion, taught the righteousness of faith. What happened among the people of Israel are illustrations of those things that were to happen to the church. All right. All right, gentlemen, let's get into this. So we have kind of in the basis here, we have this, uh, it starts out with Scripture has predicted this, which of course reveals some of this beginning contention we're seeing here, uh, Scripture versus nature, or even Scripture versus reason. Um, uh, Pastor Grevy, can you can you lay out for us this the, this Lutheran principle? We we just went through the Reformation stuff. So sola scriptura. Why why are they saying you know why are they reference scripture and why are they putting down nature and reason and opinions and so forth? Scripture is the sole rule and norm of all doctrine in the church. Everything uh, that is to be preached and taught uh, is to be in accordance with scripture alone. And uh, Scripture also then determines uh, the place of nature and reason. And nature and reason must take a um, subsidiary or a uh, underneath position to Scripture. Scripture, uh, nature and reason must submit to Scripture. Uh, that only happens, though, of course, because of the Word of God, because by nature, uh, because of original sin, um, human reason exalts itself to equality with God or even above God, wanting to be God. And so Scripture puts uh, nature and reason in their proper places. The Word of God does this. And um, it does it <clears throat> in accordance with not only a teaching on the righteousness of faith, but the proper place of good works. Uh, that good works are to, most certainly to be done and are done by Christians, but they are never to be trusted in uh, as though they merit the forgiveness of sins. It's a, it's a sort of a, it's a, in a sense, it's a double-edged sword when it comes to good works, because good works must be done, uh, but at the same time they must not be trusted in as though they, we merit the forgiveness of sins by them. We only merit uh, the forgiveness of sins has been won by the merits of Christ Jesus our Lord by his atoning sacrifice on the cross. Yeah, excellent. You know, and recently I was reading a commentary by Cyril, um, an ancient church father, and he, he was writing speci specifically about John. He was talking about how John has so much Trinitarian theology in it, and in it he, he makes a beautiful reference into the doctrine of inspiration, that the Holy Spirit inspires the words that are written down. And that the Holy Spirit inspires words that were written down that that are specifically useful at different times of the church's life as well. 
Uh, so, of course, Cyril is referencing the Trinitarian fights of the three and four hundreds um, to get the proper and orthodox understanding of the Trinity in place and how John's gospel was so useful to that. Um, Andrew here, Pastor uh, Pastor Preuss, um, what does it say here? I mean, pr- Scripture predicted this, and, and, and they go right to Paul. Can you explain some of this and maybe even just give a couple examples from Paul of how Scripture, the Holy Spirit, knew this was going to be a problem, and so the Holy Spirit put these words in there so that we as Christians can always rely upon them as God's Word. Yeah, well, St. Paul warns Timothy, you know, that, that there would there would come a time when people would uh, not listen to sound doctrine and that they would raise up for themselves teachers who would kind of give to them what their itching ears wanted, um, you know, and, and also that, you know, people would, uh, would uh, uh, you know, forbid marriage and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, this, and what this shows us also is that when we talk about Scripture alone, and the, we talk about the authority of Scripture, um, you know, think of, think of your parents. Um, you know, there's that old saying, Mama said there'd be days like this, you know. Um, your parents know more than you do. They're wiser than you do. And sometimes you might think that you know more, um, because your parents are old and you're young and, uh, and you might think that you're sharper. Um, but with authority comes, uh, you know, wisdom. And the scriptures are not naive. You know, so the scriptures, not only do the scriptures teach us, uh, contrary to human reason, that we are justified by faith alone in what Christ did for us and not by our works, they're also not naive to think that people are, are, are not going to teach contrary to that. And so they warn us um, against those who would teach, uh, uh, you know, justification by works. Exactly. This, I, I think, even fits into like those, those very popular verses like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where you have those exclusive phrases that exclude works in particular. You know, the Holy Spirit makes sure that Paul writes down, you know, not of works, lest any man boast, and so forth, just to make sure to counter uh, all the claims that will come, because, of course, uh, God knows the hearts of men and uh, knows exactly what kind of errors are going to creep out, because, of course, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no new error. It's just recycling of the old uh, and so I think also what you just made, Pastor Preuss, is a good argument for the usefulness of Scripture even in our day and age when many people would say, of course, that it's an antiquated, ancient uh, book that doesn't speak to a lot of our daily lives now, which, of course, is a utter and complete lie from the devil. So uh, this is this is good to be discussing this. Um, so, so throughout time we've seen this, and of course they're talking here specifically about Paul complaining about this, and you gave the good example of his exhortation to Timothy, um, and that, that, that these people were reconciled to God and justified by their own works. This is what they're thinking. Then there's this phrase, people, people judge by nature that God should be appeased by works. Now, now, Pastor Preuss, let me ask you real quick. This, this is kind of what we call is, is the opinion of the law, right? The, the opinion legis, the, the, that, you know, when you, when you do good, you should get rewarded. When you do bad, you should get punished, Right. Yeah, yeah, and this is our, our human reason has a, has a certain uh, level of understanding of the law and of outward civil righteousness. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, our human reason knows that if you do good, you're going to be rewarded. If you do bad, you're going to have to suffer the consequences. Um, and so our human re- reason has this opinion about the law, which is, uh, you know, to say the opinion of the law. It's not, it's not the law's personal opinion. The law knows that we're justified not by it. 
because no law was given that gives life. But it's rather our natural old Adam's, uh, you know, opinion about the law, thinking that, oh, well, the, the righteous, you know, those who, those who do good will live, so therefore, you know, this is how I'm going to be good. This is how I'm going to get life. Um, and so, but it's tainted with the sin that corrupts our human nature. Yeah, and this this goes back to a, a Lutheran distinction, which is a scriptural distinction of how how bad original sin actually is. Uh, that that human reason and human nature by themselves just do not understand the things of God. Can't. It's not possible. Uh, they're blind. They're dead. They're enemies of God, and so forth, um, as Scripture call it. Um, so, so Pastor Grevy. Where, where's this limitation? We see this here in these, these few sentences here at the end of 272 and getting into 273. By nature, and then, nor does reason see a righteousness. Uh, so, so where's the limit of this, you know, common everyday person has, you know, nature that is, you know, the common things, but then also has reason. Where's their limit? Well, uh, we do, we confess that in the, <clears throat> for example, in the first article that, um, in the explanation, that Luther tells us that God has given us our reason and our senses, and he still takes care of them. Um, so, but that's the, that's the proper place for, the, for reason, is in the first article. It's in its perfect place, because... When it comes to redemption, when it comes to our salvation and the atoning sacrifice of Christ, the foolishness of the message of the cross that Paul speaks of, that it's foolishness to those who are perishing, that's the, that's the end of human reason. That's the limit. Human reason cannot comprehend the abundant uh, mercy and propitiation of our Lord, the mer that Christ is the mercy seat for sinners, and that it's not our works uh, that merit the forgiveness of sins, but it is Christ by his merits who has won the forgiveness of sins for us by the giving of his body and the shedding of his blood. So all reason uh, must uh, be put as a footstool, must be put under by that divine mystery of the gospel, and it must submit to that. Reason can only go so far. It can, it can judge things, you know, between some things between men, uh, and it can reason that, you know, for example, that uh, it's nice to have the sun out. Uh, it's nice to have warm weather. Uh, it's nice to have green grass and things like that fine and good. But those are first article things. They're gifts of God, but they, they only go so far. And uh, we are not, um, uh, because then there's another side of nature, too. There's the beauty of nature, but there's also the stark reality that uh, when you look in nature, a lot of times you will see uh, the bruteness of the law, so to speak. Um, you know, all you have to do is look at um, some of the beasts in nature, and you will see that it is survival of the fittest. That's a manifestation of the law. That's not a manifestation of the gospel. So we don't see um, salvation coming in any way, shape, or form from nature. So reason, and that's why I think, you know, another reason why reason and nature are spoken of together here, because we, our reason can see things in nature that uh, our reason can't see when it comes to the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. That alone is received by faith. 
Right, exactly. And so, so with this limitation, however, now let's switch it over to a Christian, so someone who has faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Does does reason then, I mean, when, when, a, when a Christian sees the sun and the green grass and, and begins to understand things, <clears throat> and, um, what, what different shape does it take for the, for the Christian then? I mean, do, do they find reason to praise God and so forth rightly because, of course, they already have faith in Jesus? Absolutely. The, the praise that we give God um, for the creation really does find, the first, which is the first article thing, really does find its meaning in the second article. Uh, the second article really points us back to the first and shows us, oh, well, this is, okay, now this makes the things in the creation t- take on a different look to the Christian, because now that I know that my my faith is founded on Jesus and his righteousness, well, now these things in creation do indeed look different to the Christian, absolutely. Excellent. Pastor Preuss, um right after this, it talks about they see a righteousness of the law understood in a civil sense. Now, Folks listening uh, might wonder, what, what is it actually talking about there? The righteousness of the law understood in a civil sense. Could you just explain it briefly? Yeah, well, this is uh, there, there's kind of a paradigm that is consistently used throughout the Confessions. Luther uses it a lot. Um, these three estates uh, of the, the church, the home, and the civil government, or the civil estate. Um, and so the civil estate is, are those things that are run by the law, and they're the outward things. And so, again, it's, it's, it's like Pastor Grevy was, was mentioning, you know, the, the things that, that, uh, that are below us, uh, as, as a formula of Concord II talks about with free will, that we have free will with those things that are below us, beneath us, that is, even to decide who to marry or whether you want to marry. You know, these kinds of things are in the civil estate um, and, uh, and, and the, worldly, the worldly realm. And so we do have a choice um, and, and certain amount of freedom of those things that are below us, but when it, but that, but that is not the same thing as to say the things that are above us. That is God's word, um, and so, uh, so it's only by faith that we believe, as as the writer of the Hebrew says, it's only by faith that we believe that the that the world was created by the word of God. Um, now we can observe the world and the certain decisions that go in uh, with uh, living in this worldly life. Um, but only by faith can we actually know the Creator, who who created the world and preserves the world. And again, that's through the second article of the redemption and the third article of sanctification that we are able. And 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 you know to go what we are you know as, as Pastor Grevy said, the second article brings us back to the first. Um, the 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 old translation says um, that uh, I believe that Jesus Christ, uh, true God, begotten of the Father from all eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary. Um, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature. Um, now we say person now, but but I like that that word creature. And then and then you go back to uh, then you go forward into the third article that says, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Going back to the second second article, or come to Him. Um, and but but then it describes the creation uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, works, uh, working faith in us and gathering His church. Yeah, and, and for those listening in, what you're hearing is, is you're hearing two pastors talk using the small catechism, especially the Apostles' Creed, but just to demonstrate to you the, the day-to-day usefulness of knowing the catechism and, and knowing our faith and being able to converse in it and being able to understand the world around you 
uh, in light of the catechism. Um, you know, the, these are these are theologians, professional theologians, so to speak, and here they are using the children's catechism still to talk about theology. This is wonderful. It's a great example for anyone listening on. Pick up the catechism and dust it off and go ahead and, and learn from it once again. Uh, ask your pastor to teach from it. Uh, all kinds of good things can be had there. Um, as, as I'm going to ask you to both of you in just a second to give a contemporary example of this general human failing to go into works righteousness, um, it, it mentions here, you know, that such teachers will always exist. So, okay, we've had Paul, we've talked about that. Obviously, during the Reformation time, uh, the, the reason for writing the Apology shows that there, of course, are people at that time, the Roman Catholics, who are advocating the righteousness of the law and works and so forth. Um, in this next paragraph, we'll talk about prophets, but, but to both of you as pastors in the church, um, where, do you, where do we still see this today? I mean, this is going to be still around. Our confessions say it. So, all right, let's give a couple examples. Pastor Grevy. An example that I can remember <clears throat> from uh, a few years back now, and I, I do not remember his name, but he's a very wealthy gentleman uh, who, who's well-known in society and so forth. And uh, he was asked about a huge do monetary donation that he had made for some kind of, uh, to some kind of charity. And um, he said... Well, um, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get to heaven, uh, and this is just one of them. Uh, a primary example of the belief that um, that, that monetary gift is somehow going to merit favor with God because of the, of the work itself, um, that it's a, it's a, it's a sad thing, but it, it certainly is still prevalent today. Excellent, excellent. Pastor Price, you got an example of how this works out still today? Well, you know, uh, I'll give you a, a more subtle example uh, that might be even kind of close to home. Um, in our day and age, especially, we are noticing a, a decline in numbers um, in, our, in our churches, in our congregations. And a big temptation is to adopt certain methods created by men um, to grow the church instead of relying on the pure Word of God to give the growth. Uh, and as, it, as is very clear in the book of Acts, that the Word of God multiplied and increased. Um, we, we were tempted to use certain gimmicks uh, that kind of sell the gospel as though it's like a human product. And, uh, and, and this really is uh, part of the opinion of the law, thinking that if we do uh, these certain strategies, if we carry out these certain gimmicks, uh, then, you know, we can see some results. And that right there is, at its core, a, relying on, uh, a reliance on uh, human merits, um, even though those who uh, propose this stuff don't necessarily think that that's what they're doing. But really, whenever you're not relying on the, on the clear preaching of the Word of God um, for the increase of God's kingdom and righteousness, then you are relying on works. And, uh, and so I think that, that that's something that we can subtly see within our own parishes sometimes, and uh, we should always be on our guard against it. 
Yeah, and especially as we as we maybe you know check our barometer and, and see which way the wind is blowing and do all of our quantitative measurements on you know growth or shrinking or, or whatever you want to call it to uh, uh, to start. I mean, right there you you've started you've already begun to step away from the word, which would say that the word itself brings life. Mm-hmm. And so statistics will say, well, there's death coming. See it, and and of course the word says no. The word brings life. Mm-hmm. So so the the <clears throat> the the just the mindset. Uh, but of course that that's the mindset of the world, which we are always uh, always fighting against in the church to keep the world at bay, because our people have to live in the world, and 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 but we have to remember we're not of it. And so there's always this temptation to fall in with the world's ways of measuring and quantitatively thinking about and pragmatically figuring out something or other and it all boils down to this yeah reason nature righteousness of works all right we're gonna have to take a little bit of a break so you've been listening to concord matters here on kfuam radio we're going through the apology of the book of concord we are coming to the end of article five justification and so forth as we're going through it uh, we're going to wrap it up today Uh, and move on to the church for next week. But there's still some good paragraphs to come, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back after the break. Concord Matters is a production of KFUO Radio. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, since 1924. Text the letters KFUO to 41444 to join the legacy with your tax-deductible gift. I want my teenage son to be thinking how to deal with life's stresses and natural changes. I want to know how to talk to him about things he'll experience as he builds relationships. I want him to know I'm there for him. I just don't know how. Here is a resource that can get you started. Connect With Me activity cards have been developed to help begin the discussions. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod daily reaches out to our members and partners working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Three things make a believer. Orazio Meditatio, tentatio, prayer, meditation, and growth. Which is why every weekday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., we bring you Orazio, an hour of solace, contemplation, scripture, sacred music, and faith. Orazio, the dawn breaks with prayer every morning on Worldwide KFUO. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. 
Did you know professional football players from the Philadelphia Eagles have put together a study of verses from the Bible on humility? Quarterback Carson Wentz, along with teammates Trey Burton, Nick Foles, Zach Ertz, and Chris Moragos, along with Jordan Matthews of the Buffalo Bills, have joined together to talk about Bible verses in a 15-day devotional study for the YouVersion Bible app, available on more than 250 million devices around the world. Each day, one of the players discusses a Bible verse that has become meaningful in their life, both on the field and off. On day one, quarterback Nick Foles is featured quoting 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Engage with the Bible in its impact in every sphere. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Matters here on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of the good news. Uh, I'm your host this week, Pastor Joshua Shear, coming to you remotely but live from Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, I'm senior pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Cheyenne. And I'm also joined by two guests today, Pastor Mike Grevy of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Golden, Illinois, and Pastor Andrew Preuss of Trinity Lutheran Church in Gutenberg, Iowa, and St. Paul Lutheran Church in McGregor, Iowa. Uh, we've been going through the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Article 5, as the reader's edition numbers them. We just finished up covering paragraphs 272 and 273. We're going to quickly cover through 274, and then we're going to move into the final final paragraphs of this article uh, to wrap it up nicely so that folks can, can start up with the church next week. So, all right. We talked about contemporary examples, that this is an, always an error of people always turning to the works uh, in in opposition to the to faith as far as for salvation. Now here in in 274 you have uh, you know the the people of old the the majority of the people of Israel thought that they merited forgiveness of sins by their works. We see that of course at Jesus's time, but also before it. But then you have this on the contrary, the prophets in condemnation of this opinion taught the righteousness of faith. So I'm going to ask you both uh, for an example of this. Uh, so I'll go first with you, Pastor Grevy. Um, give me an example of, of, of an Old Testament prophet who exhorted uh, and taught the righteousness of faith. The prophet Jeremiah is one, um, and particularly in the midst of um, what we see in that book, uh, so much uh, wickedness and sin. Um, you know, one example is in uh, chapter 51, where he's speaking of the utter destruction of Babylon, and it is bleak, and it is dark, and uh, and then we get to uh, a spot in chapter 51, it's verse 10, where Jeremiah says, The Lord has revealed our righteousness. Come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. And um, so in spite, despite um, the bleakness and the darkness in which Jeremiah lived in the world at that time, uh, he declared not only the Lord as our righteousness, but also the righteousness of faith, the righteousness that comes from believing the Lord's Word. And um, these Old Testament prophets are such wonderful examples for us today in the Church, uh, right from the Scripture. They're wonderful illustrations that show us uh, what is needed 
just as much today as it was in the days of Jeremiah. Amen. Pastor Preuss, you got an example of a good prophet exhorting people, teaching people the righteousness of faith? Well, uh, I could quickly just mention that you know Habakkuk, uh, which it says in, in the second chapter of his prophecy that his soul is puffed up; it is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. But to give more of a, a you know a narrative of this um, in Isaiah's uh, prophecy, I was going to say Isaiah's gospel, but that's probably a, a good, still a good thing to the way to describe it. Um, it Ahaz uh, is the the king of Judah at the time. And uh, Syria and the northern kingdom of Israel uh, make an allegiance, uh, an alliance against against Judah, and they're coming down against them. And uh, Ahaz wants to have—he's really worried about it all. And so Isaiah shows up and uh, says, Behold the virgin, I'll give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. So he points him to the the coming virgin birth, the salvation that God's going to bring. But what Ahaz does is instead of trusting and relying on that promise of the virgin conceiving and bearing a son, calling his name Emmanuel, which, by the way, means God with us, he goes to Syria to try to placate them so that they don't attack him. And then he goes to Assyria, which is the greater uh, kingdom to the north, and tries to placate them. He sacrifices to other gods to try to show his allegiance to the other gods. And he's really trying to, through his own strategies and gimmicks, uh, military alliances, uh, bring about peace. Um, but the peace that God promises is one that is going to come through the virgin birth. Um, and uh, and so this goes, to, you know, to attach this again to Habakkuk, you know, what, what he what he. He, he, what he juxtaposes faith with is pride, um, that which is puffed up, that which tries to rely on itself. And uh, and so, I mean, this is, I mean, throughout, like I was just reading uh, Isaiah 30 uh, just a few moments ago, um, and how he goes after Egypt. And one of the things that he, that, he, that he says against Egypt is that Egypt has taken credit for all of its success. And, you know, and all it's all pride um, to... Uh, to rely on your own works and to think that your outward actions have um, have uh, uh, are, are are what have brought you success and are what are going to save you, but the righteous lives by faith in the promise of the of, of the Emmanuel Child, you know, who will be born of the Virgin, and uh, whose government there will be no end and will it'll be uh, peace for us. So, so it's really all over. It's saturated throughout the prophets. Certainly. It's like the Holy Spirit knows this is going to be a constant problem. And so God's people and God's God's prophets, God's pastors, God's preachers, apostles, whatever you want to office, you want to have it, are always going to be concerned with preaching against this righteousness of works and this proud, arrogant uh, trust in it versus the righteousness that comes by faith in God, uh, specifically faith in Christ. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so let's move on here. We'll, we'll go on to 275 through 277 now. Therefore, let the multitude of the adversaries who condemn our doctrine not disturb godly minds. For the adversary's spirit can be easily judged, because in some articles they have condemned truth that is so clear and apparent that their godlessness appears openly. The bull of Leo X condemned a very necessary article, which all Christians should hold and believe. It stated that we should trust that what we have been forgiven, not because of our sorrow, but because of Christ's word, whatever you bind. 
And now, in this assembly, the authors of the Confutation have clearly condemned the following. A. Faith is a part of repentance. B. We obtain forgiveness of sins by faith. C. And by faith we overcome the terrors of sin, so the conscience is soothed. Who does not see that this article, that by faith we obtain the forgiveness of sins, is most true, most certain, and especially necessary to all Christians? Who to all posterity, hearing that such a doctrine has been condemned, will judge that the authors of it had any knowledge of Christ? All right. So here we have uh, the apology lashing out at the, the ones who would go after the Augsburg Confession, but even more than that, go after the gospel uh, and, and condemn it and, and speak ill of God's own word and his own teaching, and of course, then, of course, God's own person in the person of his son. Uh, so here we have all these different examples. Uh, Pastor Grevy, if you would just give a few comments on this, and then maybe if you want to talk just briefly about this, uh, the condemnation, the three things that they condemn. Right. Well, this um, this thing uh, should be taught frequently. I hope that it is the two parts of repentance, which are uh, contrition, which is sorrow over sin. Um, but as it notes here, this is not what merits the forgiveness of sins. Our sorrow over our sin does not. We do not obtain it by that alone. Um, contrition is uh, to be mixed with faith. And uh, that's the other part of repentance. Um, and the faith is where uh, the necessary part, because it, this is faith in what? Well, it's faith in the gospel. It's faith in the salvation that we have in and through Christ Jesus our Lord and his atoning sacrifice. Um, and that is how we overcome the terrors of sin. Uh, I've thought of it this way when Jesus says in John's Gospel uh, to his disciples, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then in, I believe it's John's first epistle, John notes uh, that it is our faith that also overcomes the world. And so these two things go together, Christ and faith, and those two together uh, Jesus Christ and faith in him is what gives us the victory over the world as well. So Jesus has won the victory over the power of sin, death, and the devil by his death and resurrection. And our faith in that same work, in that very work, also uh, wins the victory over the world, even though we're still living in it. Uh, we, As you mentioned earlier, uh, we're not of it, even though we do live in it. And so that's, uh, and um, I would I was thinking about what uh, Pastor Preuss said earlier in relation to the third article of the Creed when he when he notes how we confess that I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord. That's the only one who can say that. The only one who can confess that is a Christian. The only one who can say that I believe that I can't believe is a Christian, because the Christian knows that it's by grace that he believes. And that goes back then to the, the second article uh, on the work of redemption that Christ has performed uh, for us. Exactly. So I, I kind of started this out talking, and, and of course the confessions speak here about this is just plain to all. Uh, if anyone looks at this plainly, they'll just see this. 
vile wickedness towards God's Word and, and just kind of denying open and clear doctrines taught in the Word and so forth. Pastor Preuss, now the Roman Catholic Church has, has outwardly changed, at least, since the Reformation. Um, is, it, is this harder to tell still? It, it, has this become harder to see, this, this kind of underlying condemnation of the Gospel? Uh, yeah, it kind of has, only because uh, during the time of the Reformation, there still was a certain sense of God's wrath. Um, you know, and today, today people like to kind of, uh, and this is not just the Roman Catholics, but throughout, uh, you know, the- theological academies, people like to really downplay the idea of God's wrath. So, for example, the uh, the Mass, which is the you know the, the the Roman Catholic idea of the Lord's Supper, um, was a, a propitiate was looked at as a propitiatory sacrifice. Um, for the penalties of sin, um, and 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 that so in other words that 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 the the mass is offered up to God, the body of Jesus is offered offered up to God to turn turn God's punishment away. Now, what they like to emphasize is that it's more a, a Eucharistic sacrifice where it's a thanksgiving to God, um, and uh, and 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 that you know so so they don't they don't really talk that much about propitiation that is a turning God's wrath away. Um, and uh, or meeting God's demands, um, but that doesn't mean though that they're teaching just because they've taken they've kind of lessened or muddied the water about you know watered down talk about God's wrath doesn't mean that they are not still teaching that we are that we merit uh, salvation by what we do among them being offering up the sacrifice of the mass um, uh, and also obviously our uh, other good works and. And, and, and pilgrimages and stuff like that. Um, but if you really do look at the, the, what the Roman Catholic Church still does and teaches and allows, they still have uh, indulgences. It was a few years ago that the recent Pope, um, Francis, um, offered an indulgence for those who would follow him on Twitter uh, when he was going, to, you know, when he was going on some tour. Um, and uh, and they, the Roman Catholic Catechism, called the Catechism of the Catholic Church, still teaches um, that uh, that by our merits, uh, following you, cooperating with God's grace, we can earn for ourselves and for others the grace of salvation and eternal life. So I, I think it's it's a little bit clouded just because they're not they're not speaking as clearly about God's judgment and God's wrath and the need to kind of appease. The standards of, of you know of, of God's righteousness and and you know the punishments and stuff like that, um, and there are a lot more. They use a lot more flowery language to talk about kind of the the unity of, of the people of God and all that nice stuff. Um, and uh, they're not as they're, they they don't talk as much about you know the coming judgment, but that stuff is still there. And when it all boils down to it, they're still teaching that we that our works cooperating with God's grace. Uh, merit you know, uh, salvation and eternal life. Right. So they've become nicer, but the 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 the, the condemnation of the gospel is still found underneath all of that. Yeah, um, and you, see, you see that at times of uh, you see that at times of death and 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 funerals and and those kind of things. You you will see that stuff still come out where it's maybe not mentioning of God's wrath because they're still going to try to be nice. Yeah. 
but the whole works i mean it, it just comes <clears> out very plainly in those very you know common aspects of life yeah, and it almost makes it worse too because they're tr- what, they, what they've been trying to do, especially since Vatican II in the, in the 1960s, is pander to the the world and pander to the uh, to the sentiments of the world, which is really what they were doing back in the Reformation. It's just that the world was a little bit less progressive, if you will, you know, at that time, um, you know. So so there so it, it it makes it it might make it harder to spot, but what we need to understand is that the Reformation. Uh, gospel that was re- that was that was re- refound in the Reformation was not simply that God is nice, you know. <laughs> um, no, it's that Jesus has made full satisfaction for God's just wrath. So, if anything, we see the fullness of the condemnation of the law because of this renewed, re- re- refound uh, uh, gospel truth from the Scriptures. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, let's let's move on to paragraphs two seventy eight and following. Um, we'll wrap this up. It is possible to make a guess about their spirit based on that inexpressible cruelty, which it is agreed they exercised among many good people up to this point. We received news in this gathering about a certain reverend father of the imperial senate. When opinions were stated about our confession, he saw nothing more useful to say to the council than to write back with blood. To what we wrote in ink. Could Phalaris say anything more cruel? Some princes also have judged this expression unworthy to be spoken in such a meeting. Even though the adversaries claim the name of the church for themselves, we know that Christ's church is with those who teach Christ's gospel, not with those who defend wicked opinions contrary to the gospel. As the Lord says, My sheep hear my voice. And as Augustine says, the question is, where is the church? What, therefore, are we to do? Are we to seek it on our own words or in the words of its head, our Lord Jesus Christ? I think that we ought to seek it in the words of him who is truth and who knows his own body best. In this way, the judgments of our adversaries will not disturb us, since they defend human opinions contrary to the gospel, contrary to the authority of the Holy Fathers, who have written in the church, and contrary to the testimonies of godly minds. All right. So, Phalaris, if you want to know that, is a tyrant of Sicily who is renowned for his cruelty. Uh, that's who they're referencing. Uh, his cruelty included the act of cannibalism in regards to infants. So uh, they are not drawing a nice correlation here uh, when they're speaking of these these inexpressible, cruel things that have been done. I know at this point, even by Augsburg, there have been Lutherans who have been executed, uh, killed for the faith by Roman Catholics and so forth. Uh, Pastor Grevy, would you like to give some comment on this? This is a great way to close out this article. It's not a coincidence here that, um, that, that Christ's church is mentioned, as this will then lead into the articles on the church. And where the Church is, according to Augustine's quote there, uh, Luther has a wonderful work where he talks about uh, what he calls the marks of the Church, and he has seven of them. Um, It was his way of saying that there's a better way that we can talk of Church, uh, because the the word Church can be uh, used in so many different ways. It can refer, uh, Luther's point was that if you take, if you simply take the word church, um, ecclesia, a gathering, he made the point that you could be talking about 
uh, a gathering in the marketplace, such as we see in the Book of Acts, or even a gathering of heathen. Uh, but what Luther did then is he talked about, this is how you know where the church is. You know what the church is and where the church is when you see and hear its marks. And he identified the possession of God's holy word as one of the marks, and, and bap, you know, baptism and the other sacraments as marks of the church by which you would know and see the church. And uh, that's what the the apology is making note of here that we know that Christ's church is with those who teach Christ's gospel. That's where it is. And so uh, you can know where the church is, and you can know what the church is. Luther also once said that even, thanks be to God, that even a 70-year-old child's child knows what the church is. And so, but as far as uh, those who are, uh, who are part of the church, um, of course, that's through faith, that's the the communion of saints, um, and of course, faith is not something that is seen, but it is faith in the marks of the church, and so that's what would bring ultimately uh, that would that's what would bring eventually uh, Walter, I believe, to speak of the church as both being visible and invisible, and uh, the invisibleness of it is as it pertains to faith. Uh, the visible parts, um, he would, he himself would quote Luther much of the time in regards to what the Church is visibly. <clears throat> and so um, he would make the point, as Luther did, that uh, there indeed might be hypocrites in the outward visible Church, uh, meaning those who claim that they're Christians but who are really not Christians. Right, right. Uh, but those who yeah. are are of the faith uh, in Christ and have faith in Christ, they are truly also in the church, and they are part of the communion of saints. Yeah, one of one of those marks that you mentioned that Luther comments in the councils and the churches. That's the piece that he does this in. Um, he calls it the Holy Cross, and here I think yeah. that would relate most most expressly to this comment. You know about they've been treated cruelly, yeah. and and what kind of cruelty has been exercised against the Lutherans, and especially the the suffering of body and of, of property and so forth that has taken place. And, of course, what the princes themselves, as they are doing, as they confess this, they are risking life and limb uh, for the sake of their eternal life. Now, uh, yeah. Pastor Preuss, we only have a couple minutes more here. Um, would you like to give the last comments on this last little paragraph before we wrap up this article? Yeah, so, um, like you mentioned, you know, that one of the marks of the Church is the Holy Cross that we must bear, and this is this all ties together really nicely in the last few uh, paragraphs. Uh, going back, you know, he mentioned he mentioned the the bull of Leo X. It's called Exurga Domini, um, which he uh, he published against Luther, and where he listed a bunch of things that Luther had written. And the thing that Melanchthon specifically points out here is Luther's uh, one of Luther's theses from these uh, theses on the consoling burdened consciences um, that he presented in 1518, the same year that he presented on the uh, the Heidelberg Disputations, which is where he talked about the theologian of the cross. And what he has in mind here is the soothing of the conscience, which is the third thing that they condemn. By faith we overcome the terrors of sin, so the con- so the conscience is soothed. Um, and and so. So then this all ties together well, because what the papacy would do, instead of using the gospel as the only thing that soothes our conscience, they instead tried to coerce with military might, with political might. And uh, they might not use the same strategies today, but they still do the same kind of thing, where they're trying to manipulate their way into whether they're 
kissing the Quran or something, pandering to the heathen world. They're trying to uh, build their kingdom by means of earthly things, where Luther said, no, the kingdom of God is only built on the word of God, which, which soothes the conscience. And that, that, has, so that, that speaks to what we, how we understand the Church, that the Church is not a political organization. The Church is the invisible fellowship of faith, which is, uh, which is, and so it is, it, is the, it is where God's Word rules our conscience by the grace and righteousness of Christ. And with that, we are able to bear all afflictions, even if they come with all their hordes and armies. And this is, this is exactly, it gets to the core point of what the Church is, that it's a fellowship of faith around the Word, despite whatever afflictions we have to uh, endure in this world. That is a, that is most excellent uh, explanation there. And of course, this is what the confessions are always concerned about, is the pure gospel of Christ coming to people, that they would believe it, their consciences would be freed from sin, they'd be soothed, they would have trust in Christ, they would have hope for the life to come. All these things are why we have these Lutheran confessions. And of course, folks listening in, if you're not Lutheran, go to a Lutheran church and, and become one. Uh, this This is what our church exists for, the preaching of the gospel, so that you would know the forgiveness of sins that has been that has been given to you because of the work of Christ Jesus, and this is what we're all about. And so you might hear of other little efforts and other little things that go on and crazy little things here and politics there and politics here, but none of that is officially really the church. The church is, of course, that place where the gospel is proclaimed purely and the sacraments are administered rightly. And this is what we'll get into next week with the Augsburg Confession and Apology on Article Seven. But this is, this is what it's all about, the gospel purely preached for you, that you would know it, you would have it, because, of course, every other, all kinds of other churches have different gospels, false gospels in many cases, impure gospels in, in kind of less bad cases. But go to a Lutheran church and find the pure gospel that is a, a gospel that, that does not have conditions, it's not a gospel of works, it's not a gospel that submits itself to reason or nature. It is a gospel that is clearly revealed in Scripture alone, which is, of course, the only way we're going to know this gospel. And as you've seen throughout today's show, we're constantly going back to the scriptures, showing where this gospel comes from and, and how it is that we believe it and why we believe it. So you have been listening to Concord Matters here on KFUO AM Radio, the messenger of good news. Uh, I want to thank both of our guests today, Pastor Mike Grevy and Pastor Andrew Preuss. Uh, for their good work on the show, Making the Good Confession, and, of course, hopefully helping some of you along your way as well. Uh, my final exhortation, we go to church this Sunday. A new church year is beginning. Good time to start going back to church. If you haven't been there in a long time, start going. It's the way that God feeds us, nourishes us, and sustains us and prepares us for his eventual return. The Lord bless you all, and may you all uh, tune in next week and hear more about our great Lutheran confessions.